New Dimensions Radio has been making a difference on our planet since 1973, thanks to the generosity of our listeners. You too can help make a difference with a tax-deductible donation or membership. Please visit our website, newdimensions.org, and just click the Donate button. We at New Dimensions thank you for your support. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. Welcome to the New Dimensions Cafe. Today, I'm hosting Shelley Tagowski, author of Sit Down to Rise Up, How Radical Self-Care Can Change the World. I'm speaking with Shelley at her home by remote connection. Welcome, Shelley, to the New Dimensions Cafe. Thank you so much for having me. My honor. You connect and emphasize self-care as a sustainable activism in the world. Um, We don't often hear about self-care as being such an important aspect of being active and making a positive difference in the world. So please help us understand the importance of self-care in relation to activism. Sure. So let's start with uh, the quote from Audre Lorde, who really was such a uh, champion of self-care. And she said and wrote that self-care is an act of political resistance. And she wrote this at a time when the feminist movement was really just starting up. Uh, The civil rights movement was obviously also going on around the same time. And she recognized that in order to continue to do the work, in order to avoid things like activism, burnout and fatigue, which are very real things, that we needed to take care of ourselves so that we could then take care of our community and we could continue on with the work, the very difficult work and sometimes incremental and sometimes even heartbreaking work of uh, creating reform in things like social justice systems. Um, You know, when we think about things like the civil rights movement or the feminist movement, which are still, you know, very much ongoing in some ways today, uh, although they're different than what they were like in the 1950s and 60s, those works were not all big wins. You know, there were small wins, incremental wins that required for people to show up consistently and persistently. And so in order to do that, we have to take care of ourselves first. We have to do the inner work so that we could help others join with our movement. Yes, I often think about that as like two wings of a bird. Like the one wing is our spiritual, psychological, emotional sustenance that mm-hmm. we take care of ourselves. And then the other one is, well, if we're just doing that and taking care of ourselves, but not taking it out in the world in some way, then, you know, nature wants us to be useful. (laughs) You know, nature uses everything. So let's be part of nature. Any thoughts on that? Well, I mean, yeah, we talk about mutuality and how ecosystems, the way nature exists, as you're saying, is to be mutually beneficial. That when in an ecosystem, when uh, species cooperate, they tend to do much better than when they're completely cutthroat uh, and trying to just uh, survive and be like the best. And I think when we look at the human species, that's exactly, you know, we're at the top of the food chain, so to speak, right? And we could see how destructive things are when we do not coexist with these other really important species that are on this planet and how we've essentially really been destroying the planet, destroying our own habitat because 
we want to come out on top and come out ahead. If we can shift the way that we think about how we coexist, how we need to coexist in a mutually beneficial way, then I think all of humanity, all sentient beings on this planet can really not just survive, but thrive. I'm just thinking of like the whole forest system that we're discovering how intricate the whole fungi system underground that the forest could not exist without this mutuality with fungi and how it communicates all throughout the system. It's just incredible. So we might look at ourselves like that, like, oh, we have this incredible system. Let's say the way that you use it, you use social media in such a positive way, Shelly. So please describe how you are kind of like the fungi system (laughs) of the internet of loving and uh, pandemic of love in which you founded. Well, social media, you know, it's like a blessing and a curse. It really is. It's a double-edged sword. And so I resolved quite a while ago that rather than just posting pictures of my food uh, (laughs) and fun places that I was going, that I would actually use my platform and use my network to try to lift others and to um, highlight individuals in need, people with extenuating circumstances, because I recognize that, you know, if a lot of people did a little bit, that it could create huge impact. So in other words, if somebody needs $100 to pay utility bill, and you have 100 friends who could give $1 or 10 friends who can give $10, and that's very doable for them, you could literally change a person's life to make sure that their fridge doesn't go off. And you know, it doesn't set off this other like chain of reaction chain of events that could be really detrimental. And so pandemic of love really is based on this notion of mutual aid and the concept that every human being on the planet has something they need. And every human being on the planet has something they want. And if we kind of look at things in a very, in a smaller way, in kind of a micro community or within our own communities, you know, our neighborhoods or our schools, et cetera, we could see that, you know, we may have the missing puzzle pieces that somebody else needs and that they may have what we need. And so Pandemic of Love is just an organization that I started in March of 2020, around the time of the onset of the COVID-19 pandemic. It's a website. You go to pandemicoflove.com, you fill out a form, give help or get help. It's that simple. And then we create these, as we say in Yiddish, we create these connections between person A and person B, a person in need and a person who can fulfill that need. And they have to connect in order to transact. We're not a nonprofit. You don't send a check into Pandemic of Love and then we just, we, you know, we, we send it out. But actually, you directly pay a person's bill. You directly are able to send food to their house and so on, whatever it is that they need. And it's amazing because what's what's happening is that, you know, for the past two years, we've been able to create 2.2 million connections. And those 2.2 million people who connected were able to transact directly amongst them $62 million of aid which is absolutely incredible and it's mind blowing. And people think of that number and they're like, wow, that's a lot of money. And I'm like, it is. But if you factor it out mathematically, it's $135 is the average transaction, which is not that hard to wrap your head around $135, right? Right. And so it's really a testament to how a lot of people doing a little bit does create that huge impact. I remember a story that you tell, a really, really profound story of someone who 
acted with courage and just took a bold action that changed the trajectory of your entire life. I'm going to take you back to when you were two years old. (laughs) And I think your mother was with you at the DMV. Describe what happened there. Yeah. So when I was two years old, you know, my parents moved to the United States from Jerusalem. We were living in Brooklyn near Ocean Parkway. And my mother, uh, who barely spoke a word of English, I had two older brothers. They were in school at the time, but I was a toddler. I was not in school. She went to go get her driver's license and was taking her eye exam and was really trying hard to remember all the letters of the English language, which she did not know. And so I was a very gregarious, outgoing child. And I'm sure I either wandered off or, you know, who knows what happened, but I wound up being carried out by a couple who were obviously not my parents. And this woman, this good Samaritan sitting in the waiting room who noticed me with my mother when my mother and I were in the waiting room, sensed that, wait a minute, something's wrong. This little girl should not be walking out with these people, made a choice. She, she in that brief moment in time, she had the opportunity. She had the sense of agency, right? She leaned into her sense of agency to rise up and to make a choice. And so she really had one of three choices that she could have made. The first, she could have done nothing. And a lot of us forget oftentimes that doing nothing is actually an act of choice, especially in those types of situations. The second thing is she could have gone and tried to find my mother. But then in, you know, by then who knows where I would have been. I could have been like miles away. Right. And instead what she did was, is she really, you know, almost risked her life because God knows what could have happened to her. She didn't even think about it. She just ran after these individuals and followed them for many city blocks until she saw them go into a housing complex ran back to the DMV where at that point all hell had broken loose. My mother was crying. The police were there and she wound up dragging my mother and the police behind her to this housing complex that was shut down. And my parents with the police officers went floor to floor to floor to floor trying to find me. And eventually they did find me. We were reunited. But imagine if that woman had not made that decision, what would the trajectory of my life have been? You know, where would I have been in my life? And it's very hard to know. But she inspired me because I recognized that just that split second, something that, you know, in that moment, when you lean into your sense of agency that we all have, that we could all be that good Samaritan, we could all change the trajectory in the course of somebody's life by doing something that we may think is a small act. Yes, that's a powerful, powerful story. I'm so glad you were reunited. And now your love pandemic is spreading worldwide and helping so many people. And I'd love to end our conversation with a quote that your uncle often uses from the Talmud, which is also known as the Oral Torah. And one of the verses that he uses, if you remember this, Please share it with us. Yeah, it's actually uh, one of my favorite quotes, and I have it in every office that I've ever had. It's been framed and taken with me, and it's, do not be daunted by the enormity of the world's grief. Do justly now. Love mercy now. Walk humbly now. You are not obligated to complete the work, but neither are you free to abandon it. Mm, mm. 
That's so powerful. Thank you so much for being with us today, Shelley. It's just been my pleasure and my honor to have you here with us today. Thank you. I've been speaking with Shelley Tagowski, and she's the author of Sit Down to Rise Up, How Radical Self-Care Can Change the World. And to find out more about her work, you can go to her website, ShelleyTagowski.com, and she spells her last name T-Y-G-I-E-L-S-K-I. That's ShellyTagowski.com. Or you can get there through the New Dimensions website, NewDimensions.org, where you will find over 1,700 programs. I'm Justine Willis-Toms, and I want to thank you for joining us at the New Dimensions Cafe. I invite you, please do join us again. You've been listening to the New Dimensions Cafe. This series of shorter interviews features many of the remarkable guests also featured on our internationally syndicated one-hour New Dimensions radio series. To access more than a thousand hours of programs, to subscribe to our newsletters, or to become a member, please visit us at newdimensions.org. New Dimensions Radio has been making a difference on our planet since 1973, thanks to the generosity of our listeners. You, too, can help make a difference with a tax-deductible donation or membership. Please visit our website, newdimensions.org, and just click the Donate button. We at New Dimensions thank you for your support.